Hey Alexa, what's the definition of hustle? To be aggressive, especially in business or other financial dealings. You're listening to the H for Hustle podcast, designed to inspire future entrepreneurs to take the leap from working for someone else to pursue their passions and side hustles and turning them into full-fledged businesses. My name is Jerome Fenton. I'm a serial entrepreneur. Every week, I'll be speaking with an entrepreneur that has taken that leap. We'll be talking about the lessons they've learned and how they've turned their passions and side hustles into full-fledged businesses. H for Hustle Podcast. Welcome back. Another illustrious episode up ahead. I'm really excited about today's episode, guys. We have Monroe Howard on the show. But before I get into Monroe's story, guys, text me. Um, I'm giving out my number because I want to know who's on the other side of this podcast. Guys, the people who are listening, hit me up, text me. I'm giving out a number. It's not an automated system. It's me. You're texting me direct. 201-644-6034. That's 201-644-6034. Please hit me up, guys. We'd love to get to know more about uh, what you guys think, the type of guest you'd want on the show questions you want me to ask i really want to get more of a connection with you guys so please hit me up um but today we have monroe howard monroe is a life coach um he life coaches he mostly his life coaching is based off of people who have some sort of fear that they want to get over and he, he his journey is really interesting because he had a very specific fear that was in his life that he had to get over and do the hard work and the heavy lifting um to to now be at this place where he can be his authentic self and with that realization you know he realized that he, he, he can actually help others with the same thing. So really interesting story. Um, very, very strong, powerful speaker. You guys listen to him. Um, great episode, guys. I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's jump right into it. Let's go. Boom. boom, 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 boom. H for Hustle podcast. Uh, we have another great guest on here today. Today we have Monroe Howard. Welcome to the show, Monroe. Listen, man, thank you so much for allowing me to be here. Glad to be here. All right. So thank you so much for being. Um, so if you were to meet someone right now and you would say, hey, uh, what do you do for a living? What do you tell them nowadays? Yeah, I'm a life coach. Life coach. That's, okay. that's, I'm a life coach. And, and, and it took a minute for me to accept that and embrace that and embody that. But like, I'm a life coach, man. Got you. Now, life coaching gets a little bad rap, right? Like these days, everyone's a life coach. There's a 22 year old that's a life coach. You're like, listen, you know, <laughs> so well, it's. it's it's an unregulated industry, right? Yeah. Um, but well, the thing that I bring to the table is not only do I bring life experience, but a brother has done a few things to put some things behind his name uh, in order to say he might know a couple of things. But of course, the degrees on the wall and everything does not guarantee that you're going to be someone who is effective at what you're doing. Um, so I really do depend on my life experience, my lived experience, and the lessons that I've learned from that. And now I'm putting that into my practice to help other people overcome something. And, and what kind of life coaching do you do? Because I know there's different spectrums of life coaching. Yeah. Yeah. So I really do focus in on a lot of folks who are struggling with personal life decisions. I mean, okay. I can't go into career, um, but I'm not coaching you necessarily so that you can become an executive. But if you are looking for a change in your career and if it's rooted in fear, 
of the unknown. And, you know, really, I would say that's probably the crux of my practice is to really help people overcome the fear that they have about making any decision in their life. Got you. So let's go back a little bit before you actually became a life coach and had these eight years of experience. Where are you from? I'm originally from Sacramento, California, born gotcha. and raised 916. I'm proud. West, yeah. West Coast guy. <laughs> West Coast. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, and what was your, before you even thought about being a life coach, what was your kind of your path when you, your, your kid, what did you think you were going to kind of be? I mean, music was everything for me, man. I started singing in the church when I was probably like six or seven years old. And so music is my first love when it comes to a passion of something that I could see in a career wise. Um, And then of course that just kind of parlayed into more other expressive activities. So I was doing some acting at one point, man, I wanted to be this kid actor and this star and be the, when I, when I was in my twenties, I was like, I'm going to be the next usher. And I was living in Atlanta at the time. So I was like, you know, it was this whole thing. Kind of all Um, over the place. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, something in the arts was originally something that I had really aspired to. And then also, quite frankly, education, like being a teacher of some sort. Um, those were kind of probably the two things that really stood out for me. Gotcha. So you pursued, let's, you get to college, are you pursuing music or are you pursuing education no. or kind of both? And, le- and let me tell you about it, man. And that goes back to kind of like fear because I remember, and God rest her soul, this woman from my church, when I got admitted to UC Berkeley is where I started my undergraduate, undergraduate career. She said, hey, so what are you going to major in? And I said, music it was the first thing that rolled off my tongue and she said oh she says she says oh no baby baby you don't you don't go to berkeley for music you know not this berkeley because there is a berkeley college for music but not the uc berkeley she says you know maybe about engineering or what about you know doing something else that's gonna you know computers you know because that'll bring you know money and the music thing that no you don't do that there and i allowed that kind of you know limiting belief or that that fear of not being successful kind of. So instantly, as soon as she said that, you took that in and said, oh, there's something wrong with music. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't yeah. do that. So when do, you get, when do you get to college? What do you then pursue since you took that in? So, you know, I, I didn't declare a major. I came in undeclared. Okay. Um, and I guess it was probably <laughs> an indication of like, what the hell do I do now? <laughs> yeah. You know? She didn't squash my dreams. No. <laughs> but, um, I, I love this woman to the day I die. But, um, but yeah, so I came in undeclared. And quite frankly, man, I'm going to be honest with you. I wasn't as focused as I probably could have been or would have liked to have been. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a lot of different things going on. But I spent the two and a half years that I was at Cal um, pretty much undeclared and then thinking about, well, maybe I'll do business. And that was a whole process to get in their business school. Um, And then I thought about, well, maybe I will go into something around English. And so I kind of bounced around a little bit. Actually, I even did return to the thought of maybe being a music major at one point. Um, But I ended up not finishing my undergraduate career there. I I finished at uh, Sac State. So that was a Got you. So now... You're at Sac State. You move on. What do you What do you then leave with? What's your degree say? Like you yeah, do what? So now? Ed, education, man. So gotcha. I ended, um, and I and I have to say, there's a long story in between because there's almost 15 years of dropping in, dropping out, but then also building this beautiful career in education. Okay. Um, and to where uh, I finally finished my undergraduate degree and I got a degree in career technical studies, which is focused in on adult education. Gotcha. Yeah. So 
that thing that lady planted in your head changed your trajectory so much. And you said teaching and music. So where's music at this point? Do you, is it completely in the background? No, nah, it never will be, man. Music has been a mainstay and a constant in my life, you know, different forms and various iterations. Okay. But right now I'm very content with, I'm an active member of my church's music ministry in Harlem. So I'm singing regularly there. I'm part of a national touring choir. So we sing uh, various dates around the country. Um, so I get a chance to, again, man, express myself musically in, in a way that is fulfilling for me right now. And gotcha. who's to say there might be some other things. Gotcha. But so you figured out a way to get your fix with that without abandoning it completely. It's never going to go anywhere, man. Not even if I tried. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. So you get your degree, you teach, uh, you're teaching adults. Like, so where, what does that lead you to? Like, where does So that... actually, no, man, I'm telling you, that's why I said it, it. My story is not conventional. So yes, I had a degree um, or have a degree um, in career technical studies. But at the time and the 15 years of my career, I was in nonprofit leadership. So I was, um, I was the, um, oh my gosh, operations manager for a nonprofit organization here in Sacramento for many years that provided educational services to school districts and okay. urban communities. So gotcha. I oversaw programming before, after school, summer programming, and supplemental educational services that provide additional tutoring for students. And then I parlayed that into an opportunity to actually be a school district administrator and oversee all of the programming for the Sacramento City Unified School District eventually um, for their after school and before school programming. So I, I never was actually a classroom teacher, um, but I trained my staff, did many, you know, I've, I've been a workshop presenter, I'm a panelist on very, um, various topics and subjects around youth development and in urban communities. Um, so yeah, man, I'm, like I said, I, I've, I've utilized different skills in different places and at different times. Got you. All right. So you're there, you're teaching, you're ahead of, um, you know, the, the, the administrative side of teaching. Yeah. In your mind, are you ever thinking about entrepreneurship at any point in time in this place? So listen, if I was honest with myself, I was an entrepreneur when I was 12 years old okay. and I started my typing company called Gifted Hands Typing Service, man. Let's talk about I, that for a second. I, I, wish, I wish I could pull up the flyer <laughs> I made, brother. Um, but yeah, I knew early on that there was something appealing about making my own. Um, mm -hmm. And what it was is taking something this kid, I think I was 12 years old, 11, when I first kind of got it in my head, I got a typewriter and who likes to type at 11? I do. I don't know why, but I was like fascinated. I had one of these fancy brother typewriters that had yeah. the auto correct and everything. Like they go I back and go brother, you <laughs> know, know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm, I'm over here doing it. Like everybody else is rocking new J's and I'm like, yo, come over here and see this brother typewriter, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and, um, so I, you know, just kind of taught myself to type. And um, then that parlayed into getting a word processor. You know, okay. now we got the screen, screen. The, yeah. everything. You can backspace like, without doing any correction. Listen, brother, then you hit the print button and the <laughs> thing comes out. So <laughs> at this point, I'm like, listen, I got this technology and I have this skill. And then I matched it with a need, you mm -hmm. know, and I said, there's people around me who hate typing, you know. So I started to tap into my cousin, she was in college at the time. I believe, was she in college? Yeah, she was, she was in college because she's about five years older than me or yeah. getting ready to go to college. And um, so I started typing her papers. 
Um, then that parlayed into making flyers, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying, for people when I, when I finally got the computer and yeah. learned print shop and all this other kind of stuff. And, and Gifted Hands Typing Service was born, man. And, got you. And so I, how long did you do that for? So I probably had uh, maybe about, I want to say, three, four years yeah, gotcha. where I was where I was doing work for folks. I, I typed someone's dissertation. So. Really? Wow, that's a lot, <laughs> yeah. of, that's a lot of typing. <laughs> Listen, brother, I was like, I was like, I might need to reconsider this career here. Like, it's time intensive. Um, yeah. So, yeah. you know, you're fast forward now, you're adult. Do you ever think back and say, all right, I'm working here, but at some point I'm going to start my own thing. I'm going to do my own thing. Or is it not in your head at all? Well, it was always in my head. And then I had another stint in my 20s when I also, you know, delve into some uh, entrepreneurial ventures. And this this time um, it was in the arts and entertainment realm. So I was out there. I started I started a Devon Entertainment. So I had this company that was promoting uh, shows, live shows, myself as an artist. Aaron Devon was my stage name, which happens to be my middle name. So I mentioned I lived in Atlanta. I started recording music in Atlanta. And I said, you know, I'm going to put myself out there. And when I moved back to California, I was like, what's the better way to keep the integrity of the music that I wanted to do mm-hmm. by promoting your own self, right? Yeah, so yeah. I, I developed at the age 27 my own debut concert here in Sacramento at a theater, rented it out. Avon Entertainment, you know, put it on. And then I was a uh, co-producer of a weekly uh, live open mic uh, show that happened here in Sacramento for about three years strong called the Homegrown Soul Show. So me and my business partner, we produced that. And it grew to be this, I mean, staple in the entertainment community in Sacramento. So I, I delve into it. But then then bills kept getting, you know, uh, higher and higher. And I was like, you might want to <laughs> get know, a job. So I, might, and, and then that's how I got into uh, the educational realm. But, got you. But so I, it was I've more always, like of I, I, entrepreneurial. It's not always paying the bills. So I got to find a day job yeah, to kind of balance yeah, it out. Yeah. Got you. Okay. And yeah. you, you did that, the entertainment company, for how long? So the entertainment company, I would say from... For probably about well, about the three years that I we we had the uh, that we had the uh, show going. Okay, so gotcha. I would say about three years. Yeah, gotcha. That's so smart too, because if you wanted people to see you as an artist, you know yeah. what, sign yourself and put yourself yeah. out there, and then you know people get to know you as an artist. Although you're introducing other artists on the back end as well, that's a really really smart idea. All right, so now you're in education. You're teaching guess you the the entertainment stuff kind of stops yeah when do you start thinking again maybe it's time for me to go entrepreneurship again is there a time in your head that you're like there's something else around the corner and when was that so i moved to new york in 2016 was um, there a reason for that yeah i attended graduate school at nyu so um i moved to new york Started in the fall of 2016. Um, it was a dual master's program, so I was going to do three years. So um, around 2018, the fall of 2018, I was approaching my graduation coming in May of 2019. I was back in nonprofit leadership. I was working for an organization in New York City, and I was um, leading uh, all of the adolescent programs that we had in New York City public schools. So I was back in the same vein in the, you know, profession I had been working in. And I was just like, I love 
the essence of what I do with young people. I said, but there were a couple of things that I did not want to do anymore. And one was I did not want to manage people anymore. After 15 years of leadership, yeah. managing people in organizations, I just said, that's not for me anymore. I said, I wanted more autonomy in mm -hmm. my schedule and flexibility because one day I want to be a father and have a family. And I was thinking ahead, like, what do I want my life, my quality of life to look like? Right. Gotcha. And then I said, I love to travel. So I said, I wanted to be able to travel internationally and domestically, but I would, I would want that in the context of, again, I can take my work anywhere, anywhere. Yeah. Um, and be able, be able to do that. So those three things started to kind of like, put the bug back in me like you know what the only way you're going to do this really the way you want to do it is if you step out on your own gotcha um, and that's kind of where the seed was replanted and i started thinking about you know maybe i will go ahead and consult but yet i'd still even right after graduation i went into another job because <laughs> <laughs> i i i because what was still lacking was the confidence to do it because I was still rooted in a lot of fear and self-doubt about super, my ability to do that. Super interesting because you did it already. So when you're younger, obviously the, when you're younger, there's a less fear in your twenties, you kind of did it, but there seemed to be where something was like blocking you, although you've already like yeah. had entrepreneurial ventures yeah. already. So what was that thing that was holding you back? Was it like the stability factor? What was the thing? Yeah. Stakes are higher, brother. I'll, I'll be turning 40 this year, right? And okay. so you think about, I have a mortgage, you know, um, gotcha. and then also, just to be honest with you, you, for me, I had built up this image of success, right? Uh. I had achieved several different successes. And so this space of vulnerability, this potential vulnerability to say, oh my gosh, I may have to start from scratch or people may look at me and say, what are you doing? Like you've now just, you have these two master's degrees. You're, you know, you're at this stage chronologically gotcha. in age, like you have the ability to be an executive director of an organization, or if you want to go back into the school system, be an administrator, like there are all these different conventional paths yeah. in someone else's organization that I was allowing kind of like other people's expectations or perceived because that's important. Sometimes we get caught up in the things that we think people are saying or thinking and people ain't even really thinking about, thinking about it. You. Yeah, yeah. We, we spend a lot of time doing that. But, but this is what I had perceived my presentation was to the world. And so I didn't know if I was prepared for to face failure mm. because I knew that you know, there were no guarantees that when I started whatever venture that I was going to be successful or gotcha. that I was going to be successful in a timeline that I felt was acceptable. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. That's also a, a tricky place to get yourself. As soon as you start putting a timeline on something, it completely yeah. throws off like, yeah. So yeah. that fear is more, it seemed more like it was external. It was other people's thoughts and maybe a little bit of your own, but like, what are people going to think about me? What, how am I going to look now that I given up this position yeah. quote unquote yeah. um, to now, do the thing that I wanted to do. So how do you get over that? How do you, how do you, yeah. what do you find within yourself to say, I don't give a damn what no one else is saying. I'm going to yeah. go ahead and do it now. Yeah. So the thing was, is that I was already embarked upon a journey of discovering Monroe. Right? Okay. 
So what played into this is that I had been through some traumatic things. I'm very open about my um, mental health journey in uh, December, of, excuse me, January 31st, 2018. Um, I had a breakdown in my home. I had to go to the hospital, was evaluated, and you know, subsequently was um, <clears throat> diagnosed with major depressive disorder. And okay. these were things that symptoms that I had basically kind of just dealt with, you know, the withdrawal, um, the isolation, um, sometimes the immobilization or the paralysis and not being able to um, complete tasks. Like these things have been happening, but I had just kind of willed myself out of it eventually and had never dealt with it. And a lot of it was rooted in just also me being honest with myself about authentically who I am. So I was already in this journey Um, you know, through therapy, through, you know, community support, as far as like friends and family who I trusted to be able to kind of open up to. So I was discovering the real Monroe, not Mm. the facade, not the representation, right? Um, Not the success or the, the, how many houses I had purchased or how many degrees I may have or what positions I held. The perceived version of you. Yeah. So you had had to get get right and figure out who you were. So how do you, how do you go about doing that? I mean, granted you had the breakdown, but there are steps that you're going about taking. Like what are a couple of those steps? Well, and it's something that I, that I do in my life coaching practice now, because it it really worked for me. First, I had to confront myself, right? I really Mm -hmm. had to confront myself and look at past actions, patterns, thoughts, deeds, right? Things that like I did not want to face Mm -hmm. and I had to take ownership for those things. Okay. Uh So I really had to say, Yes, Monroe, you did that. Yes, you were selfish in that instance. Or yes, you were deceitful in that instance or inauthentic. You know, we can go down the list. So I had to confront myself, take ownership for my actions. But then number two is I had to dig into why I was compelled to do the things that I was doing. So I had to start discrediting false narratives about myself. So So it sounds like you did a lot of unlearning of stuff that you learned. Yeah, absolutely. And we and, you know, you can we can go into it. But like from the day we're born, man, especially as black men, we are socialized in many different ways to believe this is how we must show up in the world. Mm-hmm. One of the areas that there was a place of shame and hiding and insecurity was about my sexuality as a black gay man from a mm-hmm. young person. I was always, you know, kind of it was taught to me to believe that that was a sin. That was an abomination. Gotcha. That something was wrong with me something was unnatural so a lot of those things as you stated i had to unlearn about myself because those things influenced how i showed up in the world uh, how makes, i showed up in makes, my relationship both personally and professionally that right? made so much sense because you're that's one part of you're like suppressing so then all of it trickles out even though absolutely. you're repressing it it's gonna play out a part somewhere or another absolutely Absolutely. Wow. So, so in really kind of facing some of those narratives and discrediting those narratives, which again, I never want to sugarcoat. It's hard work. Yeah. It's, it's work that is, that is arduous. It's work that is, that is hurtful. But I tell you the healing that's on the other side of that, man, and the freedom and the liberation that I now experience, again, in my personal and professional life, it's all worth it. So once I discredited those narratives, then I began to see the real Monroe and I began to embrace the real Monroe. And that's the third step of it, is really embracing your authentic self. And that from there was, was where I feel like I can do anything, literally. 
Gotcha. I feel like I can do anything because no longer am I hiding certain aspects of who I am. No longer do I have narratives that are in my head that because of certain aspects of who I am, certain things are denied to me or I can't have access to this or I won't be successful in this. And actually I find power. I'm empowered by certain aspects of my identity because that is my place of authenticity and that is where I'm going to do my best work. Yeah, because now you're truly walking around as Monroe Howard. Like, and you, you understand it. You recognize who that person is. So now when somebody meets you, they're meeting the complete version of you or yeah. the more complete version of you, I guess, because we're never truly complete, right? Um, yeah. So with that unlocking or the, all the unlearning, and through this process, do you, is that where you say, all right, the career I'm in, is not where I'm supposed to go? Yeah, I think there was an intersection that happened in, you know, the latter part of 2019. I had moved into another job, which, by the way, had given me a lot of those things that I put out into the universe, the right? Autonomy. 2018, the autonomy. It was a job where I worked remotely. I traveled both domestically and internationally and, um, you know, and I wasn't managing people anymore. You know, I was a trainer. Um, and there were, did you feel fulfilled? Did you feel fulfilled? Not fully, not fully because I knew that I had accepted that job. If I'm honest with myself, still rooted in fear that Mm. I was not going to be good enough to make it in an entrepreneurial venture. Now, that does not say that it wasn't the right decision for me at that time. I, I own my decisions, hear yeah. what I'm saying? And that was a bridge to where I am now. But I will say that, no, I was not fully fulfilled because I understood that it wasn't the area ultimately that I knew I needed the space that I needed to occupy. Okay. Um, and so, so there were some things that were happening with the job that were, um, again, I go back to my mental health because of the work I've had to do with that. I'm aware of my triggers. I'm aware of certain signs that I may be going to places that are not healthy for me. And so that was kind of happening with that job. I acknowledged it. Mm -hmm. I used my, you know, my community, my therapy to kind of work through it. And so on January 6th, 2020 is when the intersection of all this work I had been doing about you can do any and everything that you put your mind to and to say you are not where you are supposed to be those intersections came together and I, I resigned from my job and hmm. thus began this current journey. Got you. So you released yourself now, the fear that you were kind of afraid to kind of go into, you throw yourself into and at the top of 2020. We're in halfway through 2020 right now and it's been one of the most interesting years. How oh, has the, <laughs> yeah. So how has that journey have been? Because you quit what perceived to be stable, which you probably wouldn't have yeah. as a job anyway, if you think of what, what what's going on right Maybe, now. Who knows? Yeah, 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 who knows? Yeah. And you know, so how has your journey been since January and making this yeah. transition now into life coaching? Brother, I will tell you, um, I'm just going to say, so to answer your question directly, and then I'll give context and explanation, um, my journey has been beautiful. And I say that because in that, everything, right, the mosaic of, you know, depressive bouts, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the mosaic of worrying about finances, the mosaic of, you know, getting my booking my first client. So there's successes, the mosaic of launching my weekly show um, on my platform, the mosaic of like, you know, really solidifying myself as a life coach and, and really embracing that brand. Like all of that 
comes together to make this beautiful tapestry. Um, you know, these, 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 these tiles are coming together to make this, this beautiful picture yeah. that is my journey, right? Um, because it has definitely been riddled with challenges. No one knew. No one knew. <laughs> 2020 that would be this year. It <laughs> was just going to pop off, man. It was, it was just going to just be crazy. Who yeah. could have predicted and, um, but it really, I will say this, it immediately tested my commitment to, to, the, to, the, uh, to the vision yeah. that I had laid out and my commitment to the promise that I made to myself and to my God and, and you know, my creator, my universe to say, I am going to do this regardless. Yeah. I'm going to do this regardless. And I think it's been one of the better times for someone. To, it reminded me personally of 2008, 2009, where things just everything took a dive and everyone had to figure out one, either reinvent myself or yeah. perish in what I was doing. And, you know, you're seeing a lot of people turning that corner and reinventing. Right. And you're also seeing a lot of people just sitting there like, what am I supposed to yeah. do now? Right. Um, and, you know, we're going to see the, the good ones come out in two years, three years from now, you know. So, you know, so a lot of people, uh, a lot of the audience who listens to this, they're, they're kind of in that place. They're, they're like the sitting on the sidelines. They want to do something. They're stuck. They're living yeah. in that fear. They're, they're very fear based on like, if I give up yeah. this stable job, how do I make the, the thing that I know yeah. I'm called to do happen? Yeah. So what tips would you give? Like two or three tips that you would yeah. give that person who's listening to this they're going to a place that they hate and they know it, yeah. but they can't make, they can't get past that fear. Yeah. So the first thing that I always tell people is to recognize that each individual journey is unique, right? Mm -hmm. There are things that we can glean from people's stories, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean we are supposed to emulate each one of their steps. So yeah. I say that first because it is important that if you are someone who has real life obligations, i.e. kids, um, could be you know spouse, partner, um, other things, other people that may depend on you that does not allow you just to say, you know what, I quit, right? Um, even if you want to in your heart, recognize that reality, right? Mm -hmm. And so I talk about in, in also some of my coaching, like how you're being rooted in reality, but committed to vision. And I don't believe you can have one without the other, right? Because you need to be rooted in reality and understand what you're working with yeah. at this point, right? So to that person who's like, listen, I want to eventually launch off into this entrepreneurial venture. I'm here right now. This job is paying my bills. It's providing my medical for me, my family, whatever the case may be. Like honor that and say, but make a commitment to a vision to say, if you want to put it in a timeline form, um, you know, if you want to put it in phase form, however you kind of want to plan that out, then write your vision. Mm -hmm. So that you have something that you're aspiring to and that you can then begin to make a transition that honors your reality. Hear what I'm saying? Yeah. Make a transition that honors the reality that you're rooted in, but that is headed towards the vision that you're committed to. Okay. So it's very, very important to do that. So that would be the first thing that I would say. Is so recognize, recognize and then write down thing. your path on where you're going. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But you, but you need to, you need to know what your, what your, What's your reality? Is, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, and and that is not to discourage you or to limit you, but it is again to empower you to say, "Here's what I have to work with right now." So I'm going to start where I stand. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, the other thing is is to depersonalize rejection. What does Let that me mean? Tell you. 
man, let me tell you, one of the biggest fears that hold us back is rejection, Mm -hmm. right? Nobody wants to be told no. So that happens in your personal life, your dating life, right? No one wants to be told like, nah, you're not for me. (laughs) No one wants to be ghosted, whatever the case may be. But also in our pursuits as entrepreneurs, no one wants to be told your product or your service is not good enough. No one wants to be told, no, thank you, not today. I don't want it. Whatever the case may be. I read this book by uh, Grant Cardone called The 10X Rule. You know, again, in my entrepreneurial journey and to gather more information. And he really talks about this whole fear of, you know, rejection, but that many of us spend a lot of time personalizing it Mm. right yeah because we say that if you tell me no it's because there's something wrong with me me. yeah there's something wrong with my product and we don't take into consideration we don't know what the hell is going on with that person over there and the conditions that they may be um dealing with or whatever the case may be and because just because they say to you no no thank you not today i don't want it yeah does not mean your thing doesn't have value. Yeah. It just means it wasn't for that person. It wasn't for that person. And maybe it is a lesson for you too. You and I had talked about this earlier about how to refine your audience. Yeah. Maybe you need to narrow your focus so that you can get a niche. Like what's your niche? So you can go to your target market. Yeah. So I always look at now the no's and the rejections as learning experiences, but I do not personalize them. And even if in that no, it does cause me to refine my product, to improve my product and to say, to get feedback and say, hey, you know what? Um, I respect the fact that you're not going to go with this today. Would there have been anything that, you know, if anything was different in the presentation or the product that would have made you say yes? People can really appreciate that when you can approach them for honest feedback. feedback. Yeah. And two things can happen, right? One of them is that they can give you the feedback that you need to really, you know, refine it and make the next one a yes. Yeah. Or they they can also be like, you know what? I really like the way you asked me about that. And you know, if you are able to make those tweaks or take, I, I'd like to actually maybe take you on up on that. Yeah. You know? so. I learned that from door-to-door sales. And usually when you ask that deeper question, what happens is they'd be like, listen, man, they start telling you their situation and where yeah. they are. And then you yeah. start realizing like, oh, I, if just by asking that one question, I realized that they're just not in the position to take on this situation right now. And the yeah. no doesn't mean no. It just means not right now. No, I'm broke. No, no, something, yeah. something. It's not yeah. no to you Absolutely. personally. And that's a really great piece of advice. Like don't personalize it. Don't take that no as like the be all end all. It's just a step yeah. in the road. Yeah. 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 And, I, and I would say the third thing is, man, do not be wedded to some arbitrary timeline of success. Mm-hmm. I really have to preach that because we get discouraged when we start to look to our left and to our right and we're comparing ourselves to someone else's timeline. Yeah. Um, I think there's a few things in unpacking that. First of all, a lot of us are seeing the end results and we are not taking into account or we've not been exposed to the process. Success, yeah. And a lot of times people look at people's success and they're like, damn, I want to be like that. Like, why am I not like that? Why am I not popping like that? And the fact of the matter is, if you really get down and talk to some of those people um, that are 
currently on top, they'll be like, man, you know, when I was selling mixtapes out the back of my truck, you know, 12 years ago in my business, you know, thinking about motivational speaking and life coaching, there are some people that have like hundreds of thousands of followers, maybe even in the millions. And then when you dig into their stories, they're like, yeah, when I made my first video 12 years ago, you know, I just turned the camera on and this was before Instagram or yeah, YouTube was popular. Yeah. Like these people have put in the work. Yeah, yeah. But it's but a- if we're if we're not uh aware or if we've not taken the time to really kind of dig in, we get a very distorted view of what our timelines or yeah. our process should look like, right? Yeah. Um and so I say don't be wedded to some timeline, be committed to your vision and do the work and stay in the moment I mean, stay yeah. present in the, the moment. moment yeah so, so big he, you know that's that's huge for me man that i mean you just gave some big gems those are really really fantastic pieces of advice um because you know a friend of mine told me he's like oh you saw that joe rogan deal a hundred million dollars man when are you gonna make that for your podcast i'm like joe rogan's 12 years in and he's yeah. joe rogan like I, you got to give me some time to get there i was like you know so it takes some time to actually get to that place and that's something that you have to kind of get out of your mind and just notice that everyone has their own journey and you're on the journey. So just kind of keep going. That's a big piece of advice. That's, that's huge. Um, so one, recognize your reality, write down your vision. Um, don't get rooted in your, um, in, uh, the nose that you're going to get. And then two, don't get, and then three, don't get caught up in the arbitrary timeline. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's awesome. That is awesome piece of (laughs) advice. Now, you know, right now we're in a very interesting time in the world. We in COVID. We're still in COVID, um, and you know, now we have a lot of this um, racial stuff that's going on in America that everyone thinks is new, but it's just been going on in America since forever, right? Um, Listen, I, yeah. <laughs> how, how has that affected you, and also affected your business or how you run your business? Both yeah. COVID and both what's going on right now racially in the world. Well, because I am authentically who I am and Mm -hmm. I embrace that, I am a black man. Yeah. So I do not in any way try to, even in my professional life, try to hide the fact that as a human being who sees individuals like himself be brutalized, be killed, right? Time and time and time again, um, I acknowledge my trauma Right. I acknowledge the trauma that exists for black men in this country. And so I, first of all, bring myself to my work. And especially in my line of work, it's important that individuals can see your humanity because nobody wants to have some robot trying to tell them how to overcome fear. Like if you can't relate to some of the things in which they may be dealing with. So again, I bring myself to that work. Um, What it has also done in my work has then caused me to question with the platform that I've been given, with the resources, with the expertise, the background, the experience, what is my contribution to the fight? Okay. What is my form of advocacy? What is my form of activism, right? What is my form of protest? And as a black man, there's a lot of pressure out there. And I made a video about this to say, because I had a lot of my brothers coming to me and saying, man, I feel so guilty because I don't feel like I'm doing enough. And when I tell you, man, it broke my heart to hear that. And I had to say something because I was like, it is insane that the ones who these acts are perpetrated against, and we're talking about 
hundreds of years of oppression of yeah. generations and generations we actually feel guilty because we feel like we're not doing enough to fix the problem that we did not start yeah that's so true so 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 the day to day of being a father of being a uh, a business owner of being potentially a partner whatever roles you may have mm-hmm. in this life that is enough to be heavy yeah. right yeah and Huge. then on top of that the trauma right of again we feel um this this um vicarious trauma in some instances as my uh my great friend um and and therapist um told me you know she um she was you know just really letting letting us know about the vicarious trauma like even us really seeing it yeah. over and over again with visual yeah. images right yeah. hearing yeah. these sound bites that's trauma it's traumatizing yeah. right and then so on top of that now I'm, now i have to carry guilt that i'm not doing enough so what yeah. i've what i've asked people to consider and what i'm doing in my own practice is to say go within look look within and look at your authentic self and who you are and what you bring to the table and figure out how you can contribute. Yeah. And even if that's just taking care of your kids and making sure that the world that you show them is the world you wanted them to see, that's, that's enough. That's enough protest right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is, it is, it is. And I, and I, and I'm grateful and thankful for the men and women who are out there daily in on the front lines in the protests and on the front lines in many different ways i'm grateful for the individuals who are out there advocating for policy change right i am grateful for those advocates and i'm going to speak up about our black trans community you know who will not be erased in this struggle right like these individuals who are letting you know that there is humanity across the spectrum right the spectrum here um, and so it's very important. I recognize that and I praise that. And I also then look at myself and I say, what you are bringing to the table is just as valuable. Well, yeah. And so you need to continue to do that. And one of the ways that I do in my weekly show is I am uplifting narratives within the black community mm-hmm. that, that celebrates, embraces, right? And builds community amongst individuals who have a wide spectrum of humanistic expression. So when we talk about individuals who are in marginalized and stigmatized communities within the black community, it is important that I am uplifting these narratives to say, listen, I see you. I see you. I embrace you. I love you. And I'm appreciative of you. I celebrate you. And so that's part of my protest. And that's part of my contribution to the overall work. Gotcha. And just doing that is alone enough, you know, to, to, to kind of seep through to so many others because you're going to be on your platform yeah. telling other people it's going to seep and can continue to keep on um, pushing forward. Um, so thank you so much for that, by the way, that was, that was a lot and that was really heavy. And also for me, I kind of struggle with that same thing. It's like, so what am I going to do about it? But I'm like, the reality is I can control what I can control and what I can control is me, myself, my family around me and how I influence that and kind of go from there. And then using, like I said, using the platform to bring up voices as well, because there's, there's only but so much that I can do. I can't go out there and set it off and 
put myself in harm's way and next thing I can't come home to my little girls, you know? So, and, well, I, and I think, and I, and I think that's, what's going back to, you know, what I talk about, about being rooted in reality, man. Mm-hmm. Like you, you understand that as a father, your greatest role is in their lives, yeah. right? Your greatest role is in their lives. And that is again, not to negate the fact that there is sacrifice in the struggle, right? There's sacrifice in the fight, but you have to negotiate that for yourself and you can find out like, listen, if my primary focus committed to that vision if my vision is to raise these young girls you know into these intelligent beautiful strong gifted women who have had the experience of their father in the home that is what you're focused in on man and things fall into place Place. because you've prioritized yeah you know so cool well thank you so much for that i'm I'm not going to step on it anymore i gotta ask because a part of you said recognize your reality but write down your vision What's the vision for Monroe Howard? Where do you see that? Like, what's the vision for that? Ah, man, listen. um, Nationally, internationally syndicated television show, right? Um, Other, you know, a multimedia um, individual who has the ability to impact lives, not in just this country, but countries, you know, beyond here, um, but who is unapologetically lifting up the black community. Gotcha. So I want to be very clear about that, that um, it is my first love to be a part of the healing within our community as black mm-hmm. folks, man. Gotcha. And so if I can provide through the experiences, through the in- insight, through the enlightenment, you know, as I'm growing and developing and I'm able to put that out there in books, television, podcasts, you know, maybe movies, um, you know, these multimedia um, platforms, it's very important for me to be able to do that with integrity. Yeah. Um, and so I am looking forward to continuing to partner with individuals. Um, so I, I, I love, I'm, I'm anticipating my life coaching business to grow and to expand. Um, that is definitely as part of my vision as well. But I want to take this message, man, on a broad, broad spectrum. Gotcha. That's nice. Um, so they always say leaders are readers, right? Our entrepreneurs tend to be mostly readers. What are three books you could recommend anyone listening to this right now? If they're, you know, they're in a place or three books that helped you and affected you that you would recommend them to read. Yeah. Um, the power of habit by Charles Duhigg. Great book. Um, Yeah. Charles Duhigg, the power of habit, um, feel the fear and do it anyway. Um, which is by Dr. Susan Jeffers. Mm-hmm. Um, I have more than three, so I'm gonna just give you two more. Okay. Um, I would say The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. So and, good, but so hard to do. I, I, I feel yeah. it, it's such a tough book to like, it's listen, easy to like take in, but very hard to like live out. Listen, but let me tell you, man, even because again, it's not this thing about like the perfection. Like, yeah. Like, am I getting it right? But even the process, right? Yeah. Because when they talk about being impeccable with your word, your word. Man, oh, like that, that hit me like so hard. Like, so even if I'm conscious about it, mm-hmm. um, you know, and in the, even when he talks about like the, the human domestication process, yeah. about all these things that we're given, right? And these things that we accept, these narratives that we accept that shape our perspective. For me, it is a great way to be conscious about like when things are just given to me, hold on. Let me understand or let me try that on and see if that works for me. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there are things that like are life lessons that that or, or like constant actions that I'm 
that I'm 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 able to do on yeah. an ongoing basis that improves my life experience yeah. without getting it perfect. Gotcha. Um, and then I will also say the other one I mentioned Grant Cardone's book, so I put that in there. Um, the Ten X Rule, but I will also say the Art of Not Giving a Fuck by the subtle, Michael the Manson. Subtle, yeah, yeah, the yeah. subtle art of not giving a fuck. Yeah, let me tell you because what the the big thing out of that is really defining what success means for, for you. you yeah great book that's a really great book so i feel like if i keep talking you're just going to keep on going into this wealth and wealth we can, of knowledge. Brother, this is great man no this is great I love um, yeah. so um if people want to reach you if they want some coaching of yours um yeah. where can they find you you also yeah. have your own you know show that you do where can yeah, people see yeah, yeah. That? Um, yeah i'll link all of it in the description but let them know where awesome. they can go yeah, so there's a few places you can find me. You can always find me at uh, my website, www.monroehoward.com, mm-hmm. and that's M-O-N-R-O-E, mm-hmm. howard.com, and go there, please subscribe. Um, and then you can also put in there uh, so we can do a free consultation. I give 20-minute free consultations um, to talk about your, your needs and how I can potentially help. Um, and then I'm active on Instagram. So my handle is he underscore smiles, mm-hmm. he underscore smiles. So you can always find me there and find some of the inspirational content that I put out daily. Yeah. And then finally, every Thursday night at 9 PM, um, Eastern time on Instagram, on my Instagram live, he underscore smiles. I'm the host of the naked truth experience. So if you have not experienced the naked truth with me, Y'all need to check me out on a Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. But yeah, yeah that's that's where I, you can find me. I popped in there last night. I couldn't stay too long because yeah. my one-year-old started bugging. Yeah. So I couldn't yeah. stay there too long. But you had like a very interesting panel of like black families. Yeah, and the, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Different, we, the different versions of black families. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a beautiful experience, man. Yeah. We were lifting up in, in honor of Pride Month, lifting up uh, same gender loving couples who are married. So I had um, Mylene and Lindsay who are married and they have a beautiful baby boy and all also an older son um, and then we had Richard and Carlos who are the real dads in New York who also they themselves have a three-year-old so it was a great opportunity to lift up again family and the episode was called family pride yeah that's all it was awesome I for what I was able to jump in there and see it was pretty awesome but I just didn't couldn't stay long enough um, no problem and again thank you so much for being on the show um, that's pretty much all we have thank you so much for being here my pleasure, man. It was it was a pleasure speaking with you, man. And I hope to have you on my show. We got to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, all right. Cool, 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 cool. And just like that, another illustrious episode is in the can. Man, Monroe Howard. Definitely go to his social media platforms. Definitely check him out. Definitely check out his show that he has on Instagram. Um, man, it's just this was an action-packed episode. I don't want to put too much more on it. That's it for me, man. That's it. We're out. See you next week. Peace. Boom. Boom, boom, boom.